Welcome to the Harvest Center. Harvest Center. The 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 Harvest Center. Welcome to the Harvest Center. We're glad you're here today. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, church. Nice to see you here today. I hope you had a good start of the day. Um, today is going to be a special Sunday. We've got some really, um, shall I say, some really good guests. All the guests are good, but, uh, I, you know, I will tell you a bit more later on. But uh, we've got some guests among us that uh, are being so important for me and Anna in our journey of faith with God. And uh, we will hear from them today. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, I want to encourage all of you at the end of the service, just go shake your hand to them, get to know them because they are an absolutely wonderful couple. Now, uh, before we start and we worship God, I, I just want to read some verses that I hope they're going to build you up, encourage you. Because sometimes, you know, we like to carry around our loads and we think as well, you know, we, when we go before the Lord, it's like uh, uh, we feel that, uh, oh no, I messed up, I've been this, I've been that. Will God still love me? Will God still care me? care for me. Here I am again in church, but I've got this heavy burden in my heart. I know that my week is, has not been really the week I was hoping for. And I just want to read a couple of verses in Psalm 86, verses 15 and, six, and, and 16. It says, But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Look down and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant. Save me the son of your servant. And this is wonderful. You know, God is reminding, reminding us that we believe in a God who is slow to anger. He's, he's full of compassion for you and me. Uh, so much so that he gave his life for us. And I just want to invite you today, if you're a bit of um, heavy burden or you've got some load in your heart, just to, to go before God, before the cross of, of, of Jesus. Today we're going to have as well communion. We're going to remember ourselves of the sacrifice of Jesus. And I want to remind you that the Calvary is still open for you today. You can go before the cross of Jesus and say, here I am, Lord. Would you, would you wash me clean? Would you forgive me? Give me strength. I, even the second part of this verse. Look down and have mercy on me. Give your, give your strength to your servant. How good it is that we can actually, you know, uh, receive strength from God. How good is that? You know, when you stop and think about it, it's like we are not on our own. Sometimes we do feel overwhelmed, but we have that source of strength. You know, uh, I was saying up there, but actually, you know, he's among us, you know, the Lord. And he's ready to bless us. He's ready to give us all what we need to face whatever situation that we are um, going through in life. So why don't we all stand? And um, as well as we worship God, we're going to take communion today. I just want to encourage you. You know, uh, communion is there for all the people who are in Christ, who are in a good stand with the Lord, who are, uh, you know, having that relationship going with God. And, and I want to just to encourage you, if there is anything this morning in your life that is blocking you, uh, and you feel a bit condemned before God, and you feel like, I don't feel that, I'm worthy to take and, and share that bread and that 
you know, wine that, you know, reminds us of Christ. If you've got any of these thoughts, remember what we read. We believe in a God that is slow to anger, is full of compassion. And I want to encourage you as we worship God, you know, just to, if there is anything that you want to sort out with the Lord, if there is anything that you want to uh, pour, you know, before God, just, just go for it. You know, don't worry about uh, the voices in you that are trying to condemn you, that are trying to uh, make you feel guilty. They are trying you, that is, you know, they are saying to you, you're not worthy, you're not loved. That, that's the enemy. He's trying to discourage you in your journey with God. But, you know, God is saying to you this morning that I'm compassionate. You know, I am full of grace and love for you. Would you come to me? You know, I'm here. I'm ready. You know, the blood that I've given for you on the cross is still valid today. And I want to encourage you you know, to open up that channel with the Lord, you know, as we worship God. So dear God, we, we thank you. We thank you because you died on the cross for us. We thank you because all what we do here, the, the reason why we can have a relationship with you is because of what you've done on the cross for us. We don't want to forget of that love. We don't want to forget of that pain that you had to go through for our sake. So Lord the God, I, I thank you because I were here, as we are here today, today holy spirit we know that you are present among us and i want to pray holy spirit you will touch and bless our life today lord god if there is anybody here who is heavy burden and has a load in his heart the holy spirit would you minister to to him or to her would you uh, touch you know the life of this person so we thank you lord, lord god because you know you've prepared something for us today and we're looking forward to receive from you we're looking forward to see what you've prepared for us today so we thank you Lord God, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. Can I, can I ask you to stand up, if you can, um, just to keep your eyes closed? Uh, we are approaching now a very important moment of our service. We're going to take communion together. And, um, uh, you know, this is something that Jesus did with his disciples. Uh, you know, we, we read time and after time the scriptures where he he was there with his disciples. He was about to die on the cross. He knew that he, the day of his death was approaching quickly. And he sat down with them and he broke bread and he, uh, you know, they, drinks, they drank some wine. And, 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 and then Jesus and then also later uh, the Apostle Paul said, you know, I want to encourage you to do this in remembrance of what I'm doing here. I'm giving my life for you. I'm giving all what I have for you. Jesus didn't hold back anything. He gave all what he had for us. So strong was the love that he had for us. And, and later on, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, that's what he writes to the Colossians. Think that on the key of through this sacrifice, through what Jesus he has done for us. Here is what it says, Colossians 1 from verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thinking, thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom uh, of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin he jesus died on the cross to save us and and he enabled us to share 
you know, the great and the glorious and, uh, and all the good things that come from the kingdom of God. And as you approach, you know, the table today and, um, you know, we take that bread and, 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 and we drink the wine or juice, just remember what Jesus has done for you and that he has enabled you. Today you can access the throne of God through what Christ has done for you. He has made you clean. He has made you whole. He's, he has purchased your freedom and forgave your sin. So why don't we, uh, maybe we just have some music as a background. If you can uh, please just approach the table. Um, there is also some gluten-free option. The one, the, the packed one is uh, gluten-free. Um, and just, you know, help yourself with some wine and a cup of juice. And let's just spend these moments together as a church, thinking about what Christ has done for us. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Yes, the Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the sacrifice. What a wonderful love you've displayed. And in doing something practical, you gave all what you had for us. We thank you because through you today we can have a relationship with the Father. We thank you, Jesus, because we called us friend. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, because you live in us. We are honored today to worship your name, to be able to lift your name on high. We thank you, God. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen, amen. And please do take your seat. Right. We have got a couple of just reminders, so you know about all this already. Safeguarding training is coming up. So it's on the 14th, Saturday the 14th at 9 o'clock in the morning. Early start so we can get early finish, all right? So those of you who are involved in any sort of work with the children, please see Joanna, get signed up, and be ready to come out to that. Uh, Alpha began on Thursday. Woo-hoo! And it was a good first session. So brilliant, brilliant. But you know what? It's still not too late to invite people, to get people to come along, to spread the word. We've got the leaflets. So anybody who hasn't invited somebody who thinks, you know, I should have or could have, please, please don't give up. See Joanna or Jeff or Jason and Mel and Gavin and Jane. So there's plenty of people involved who can tell you what you need to do to get people along. But yeah, that, and just keep that in your prayers. Okay, prayer's going to make a difference. We're going to see lives changed. And remember, we've got people in church here today because of Alpha. Brilliant. All right, church lunch is next Sunday. The second Sundays come around quite quickly. So we've got church lunch next week. So we will be contacting you and just telling you what the menu is. I think we're going to go wintery, slow cooker, nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> middle of October, we're going to be needing it. So, um, yeah, we'll let you know this week and find out who's coming along to that. So please, you know, plan to stay for fellowship and church lunch next week because that's a great time together. All right, and then the last thing, ladies, I'm just going to give a quick prelude to um, uh, Anna just telling you about it, but Flourish event is this month. So we're ready. We've got invites. Um, so just, Anna's going to explain the whole setup and what we're going to do, but um, Val is part of the team that's going to organize the food for the event, so if you haven't already got some, um, volunteered to help and she hasn't already called you, please see her to see if there's anything you can do to help out to bring food along, because we know we've got some great bakers and food prep people in church, and also if anybody has got cake stands that we could use for the day, also let Val know. So that's just food and cake stands, obviously let Val know. And Anna is just going to tell us about the event, and then we'll do tithes and offerings.
Good morning. The invites are here. Okay, thanks to Ileana. She's not here today, but a big thank you for her time and creativity. Um, so, um, ladies, this invite is not for you, even though you're invited. But this is for a friend or for a neighbor or for a relative or for a colleague. Um, and it is for one lady only. Okay, so the um, event is invitation only. And we are going to invite one friend only because the, the event is based on relationship, okay, building in relationship. So um, when we met together with, um, with the elders' wives, you know, one of the first things we asked ourselves is what do we want to achieve with this event and what is the vision? And, you know, we also asked Val what the vision was historically for Flourish. And, you know, the vision is um, two things, really. It's to evangelize to tell ladies about Jesus um, in our home, so in our church home. And um, the second part of the vision is to empower women. You know, women are under a lot of pressure nowadays, regardless what age you are, whether you're a young woman, a middle-aged woman, or a young woman in the Lord. The pressures are there, and the pressures are different. There's the health pressure, isn't it? There's the time pressure. There's the finance pressure, the relationship. There's a lot of pressures. And um, we, we talked about the hashtag number one used by women on Twitter in relation to themselves at the moment is, I am a hot mess. Did you know that? This is the hashtag number one. And so we, what we are going to do is to do exactly that. We're going to evangelize and empower. Okay. So the event is going to be slightly different to what we're used to, even though we are going to keep the pretty tables. They're just going to look slightly different. So if you're wondering why hasn't I been asked to do a table, it's because uh, we are not going to have um, tables um, set up individually by teams, but we're going to have tables that look identical Okay, still very pretty and lovely, but they're just going to be different in their color. Okay, the event is going to be slightly longer than usual, so um, you're going to, at the back of the flyer, there is the program. We're going to have a welcome tea and coffee, and after that, we're going to have creative corners. Okay, we're going to do different things from card making to... Um, to um, a lot of creative things that um, we're still putting in place, but it's going to be lovely. I think the idea is when you come in, um, you do something together, sitting in a small group, doing something together with your hands, and just connecting to break that ice. We're going to use that as an icebreaker. And then after that, we're going to have an inspirational interview. I'll be interviewing Tina. Tina? Tina? Okay. Tina is an inspirational woman. You know, she doesn't really talk about herself much, but she's got quite a story to tell. And then we're going to have some afternoon tea, right? Everybody likes a good afternoon tea. Um, and then we, we're going, our speaker is Karen from the Compass Church in Wellingborough. And then when Karen um, has finished, we're going to do um, a presentation, a short presentation video of the Alpha course to then invite those ladies um, to sign up to the Alpha course. Okay, so it's going to be a creative event. It's going to be an evangelistic event. But above all, it's going to be a relational event of building friendship. So, you know, just, just pray about whom you should invite to this event. Should it be a neighbor or a relative or maybe a colleague? 
you know, that pray for that person in advance that they will come with an open heart. Um, and it's, it's going to be good. I'm really, really excited. I think when we planned and sat down, we were really excited about it. Um, so um, do come and get an invitation for the lady you would like to invite um, from, from one of us, from Tina, from Sarah, from Val, or from myself at the end of the service. And we are going to put your name down just to know um, who has already picked up an invitation so that we can plan with the numbers, okay? As always, thank you so much for, uh, for your generosity. Um, now it is a joy and an honor for me to introduce the, our guests today. Now let me just say something about them. I think, uh, I, how long have we been on each other? So 2007, so it's good with math. Uh, about 15 years, something like that. Um, I, we came, I came, I, in those days I was not yet married with Anna. I came from Italy to study the Bible college. She came from Germany uh, to study the same Bible college. Um, and that was when we met for the first time in John Daliana. Uh, they have been our tutors at the college, among our tutors at the college uh, for two years. Um, then we actually came back at the college. We work with them. Um, uh, for five years. It was a, a wonderful experience. Um, so we've been seven years together. Um, uh, and I, you know, sometimes some people said, oh, two years as a student and five years as a co-workers. But I always answer, no, seven years as a student. Because even when we came to work at the college, really for us was just a, uh, an impressive uh, learning experience. Um, it was really uh, a great honor. And uh, so we've been keeping in touch with them over the years, and it's not the first time that they come to church. Um, um, there have been a few times, and it's always, uh, you know, I think we can, always, we can all say that it's always uh, an honor and a joy to have you here. So I'm going to call John first. He's going to share something, uh, and then uh, Eliana will bring the word. So John, why don't you come? Shall we give a round of applause? Yes. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here again with you. For those who don't uh, know me, um, I'm Scottish, in case you didn't get the accent, okay? It's definitely not the same accent as Ken, okay? But I wanted to just read one verse. Um, like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. That found in Proverbs 25, 25. Um, my life basically has been mission. Um, I invent words about mission, like missionize. You don't know that one? Evangelize, missionize, um, missionary, missionaire. Uh, but my life, since, I, since Jesus uh, took hold of my life, transformed me, all I wanted to do was give his good news out. You know, and it says from a distant land. Um, we are a distant land when you look at the nations. So don't think they're coming in. We need to be going out. And so over many, 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 many years, uh, I've been doing missions across Europe, uh, worldwide, and mainly now in Africa. And I know that you guys go to Africa uh, in Uganda. Well, we were due to go out uh, with two of our young leaders, myself and two young leaders, to Kenya. And we've been, Kenya hasn't had rain for three years, uh, enough rain. And so pre-pandemic was the last time I was out in Kenya. So I thought, let's do Kenya. 
and let's get there. And then um, one of our former stu students uh, is a Maasai, and he just wrote back to me about two weeks ago and said, I think you should postpone Kenya because there's floods coming. And I thought, oh, we prayed too much. <laughs> prayed ourselves out of a, a mission trip. So there's going to be very bad floods. We, in 2010, I was out there and got stuck in a flood. And it was really scary because the Maasai live in villages that don't, they're not connected by roads. They're just through the bush. And if you get stuck, you're stuck, really stuck. And so we've had to, I do two missions normally, one one year, one the next. So one is Uganda and one is Kenya. So I've had to swap them around. The Uganda trip, the same storm is going to hit Uganda, but where our former student is, is in town. So the roads are better. So we're going to go, God willing, in uh, beginning of November until mid-November to uh, visit some of our former students. There's quite a few out in Uganda, uh, dotted around. And uh, I always think it's a great challenge uh, bringing something significant when they are very significant out there. They're resilient. They're creative. They're passionate. They don't have much. And you go in there and you think, what am I bringing? <laughs> but you being there, you're bringing joy, you're bringing support, you're bringing encouragement. It's not all about money, it's about your presence. And sometimes you might be thinking, how can I get involved in mission? I don't have much to give financially, but it's not about finances, it's about you. You know, I was sitting there thinking, what, what is the great thing about this church? Now, don't correct my grammar, okay, because it's not a what. Um, but what is the great, apart from Jesus, what is the greatest thing about this church? You know what it is? You. You are the greatest thing about this church. Because you are, we are light. We are good news from a distant land. It could be the neighbor, like um, Anna was saying, could be the neighbor uh, that you're bringing some good news to. And it's a heartland world, wherever you are. People are hurt and broken. And just, just take an initiative just to say, I'm here for you. We'll, we'll do the job. We'll, we'll encourage somebody. So we're, we're hoping to go out. Um, it's probably twofold or threefold our mission uh, focus this year. Uh, we've had to be creative. Like within two weeks, we had to change everything around. So... Um, one of our former students, James, um, he lives off of chickens. So he buys the little chicks, and then he rears them up, and then he gets eggs, and then he gets chicken, roast chicken, <laughs> all of that type of thing. And so we're hoping to buy another batch of 200 chicks. So we're, we're raising some support. If you've got any support, uh, we're raising some support to purchase that for him. Um, then we've got some uh, other former students. We're hoping to gather them together just to encourage them and be with them and say, well done, you're doing amazing. Uh, one of them, um, I was just in conversation with him, and he said, I said, so how's ministry going? And he said, it's going quite good. And I said, could you explain quite, you know, quite good? And he said, well, um, the Lord's powerfully moving. We had a campaign the other year. And I, and I raised two people from the dead. And I went, oh, that's quite good. <laughs> I was quite shocked. I was thinking, 
you raised him from the dead? Well, he said, not really me. You know, Jesus raised him from the dead, and, but, but I was part of it. I'm thinking, what am I here for? I mean, how do you top that? How do you beat that? You know, but it's not about beating or topping. It's about getting involved. So I, I just want to encourage you to just get involved. I was so excited about your Bible study. I've never seen so passion, so much passion. I thought if I was closer, I would come, you know, to your Bible study. It was fantastic. I loved the passion. I mean, I've never seen so much passion in, in announcements. You, you, I mean, you, you, are, you are amazing. She brought it to life. Come on, you can't not get involved in that, you know. So I just want to uh, encourage you. Your little bit is like that good news like that water from a distant land. The Lord bless you. I think we agreed this morning that um, I would take a bit longer because I missed a couple of visits. <laughs> we were due to come together, and then um, I've been um, quite unwell in the last couple of years, and uh, so I'll maybe share this story another day, but um, it's just a, such a privilege to be here today. Um, it's always, you know, we, we travel quite a bit and visiting former students, people that we've been involved in and try to do exactly that, encourage, um, share a word or share a meal. And as I was uh, sitting there thinking, um, it, it's quite, you have to prepare the context for a morning like this because now we are focusing on, you're focusing on listening to me for the next few minutes. And it's like, um, what can be achieved in 40 minutes? What can we achieve together? I'm a teacher, so I'm forever focusing on what can we do in this time together. Um, what is the meaning? What can we draw from it? Because today I find, I don't know about you, but I find that there are so many words around. Yesterday we were talking to, with someone in Anastasia about the amount of information that we have, the amount of preaching. We have access to the best preachers, the best speakers in the world. And, and then we have... The information about God's Word, is, it's, it's unparalleled at this time. And so when you have the opportunity to share God's Word this morning with a group of people, meaning you this morning, what will make the difference? Um, it's what we carry. It's not what the words I will say, but it's what I'll carry this morning. And um, I've, I've, um, I've been preaching for many years, but in the last few years, I've focused on carrying something rather than speaking about something. Because we carry the Spirit of God, but we can speak the words just as well. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever been in a context, in, in maybe a birthday party or a... Or a, a you know, at the time when a group of people has been together and you have connected with some people and you've said, wow, 
they were present, they were there, and then other people, you've even spoken with them, you've chatted with them, but it has made no difference. And that is because we create a connection by what we carry towards God and towards one another. So today is about connecting, and it's on that connection that we can carry the witness of the Spirit, we can carry the, the work of the Spirit. It's not on the words. Uh, the words can become very stale, but it's actually what we carry inside for one another uh, and for God. So today, it, maybe it, it's not even how much words or what it said, but what do we carry today? So we're going to try and carry something. Definitely, I'm going to try and carry something towards you. And uh, this morning, I wanted to share something with you from Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is one of my other favorites. You've got many favorites. Um, but I just want to share a few verses with you. Well, we all, we all probably know the story of Nehemiah. He was a, a cup bearer or a, a, a waiter. <laughs> no, he was an assistant to the king. And he actually was in charge of, of the king's first needs. Uh, now, the Bible does speak about um, him as being the person that would test the wine for the king. Uh, because in those days, that's what you did. The wine was probably one of the, the easiest access to poison a king. So it was quite an important thing. So rather than just say he was a waiter, he, he, he was a bodyguard. <laughs> because uh, in, a, in a way, he was responsible for the, the um, trickiest, <laughs> one of the methods of killing kings. So he, he was quite an important uh, man. And uh, this um, Nehemiah was um, uh, deported, not in his life, probably his parents, uh, but they lived in captivity, so he, he was serving a pagan king, uh, but he was doing his job, so he was outside of the contest of um, Jerusalem or Israel, uh, but he was a Jew. In the Bible, in the first few verses of Nehemiah, maybe we can read them, you have them maybe soon. Uh, the story uh, goes the, uh, this way. Uh, he was serving a king in, in a captivity land. Uh, and the Bible, in the first few verses of chapter 1, it says, In the month of Kislev, in the twelfth year, uh, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Anani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Um, we'll stop there just now. And it, it's just this picture of uh, Nehemiah hearing about the story of Jerusalem. Now, you've got to put it in context. Uh, they lived in a different land, and uh, you know the, the deportation, the people of Israel had been um, deported and made slave uh, through the Assyrians first, and then the second deportation through the Babylonian. 
And now they were scattered in many places. And of course, the empire, the Medio Persian, Persian Empire, had become a huge empire after the Assyrian and the Persian Empire. And now some of those people lived. Um, and they were refugees. Well, they were actually um, under uh, Cyrus, uh, the emperor Cyrus. He had actually uh, allowed people, although they were slaved, they were um, in captivity, they were free to worship their God. And they, uh, Cyrus actually uh, had said to the people, uh, although you are slave, although you live in our land, you can worship your God. And if you want to go back, to Jerusalem, to your land, you actually can't because the empire actually uh, uh, contained all that land. So many of them, the Bible tells us the story is that many returned, but some of them were already established and because there was, a, there was quite a freedom now, they were not slaves anymore, although they were subject people, but they, were, they had a, a certain amount of freedom. Some of them remained in uh, Persia. And so this is the contest. So Nehemiah, he is away from his land, but some of his brothers have returned. So one of his brothers comes home. It's like your brother comes home and says, hey, how is things back? In, it's like Samuele. I'm Italian, Samuele. And it's like if um, there is trouble, there's been trouble, or there's, uh, my sister comes, hey, how is things in Taranto, in my city? And his brother says to him, we are in great distress. Uh, the walls are broken down, and we, we just live a life that is, imagine, there is a certain freedom, but we are in disgrace. And this is the context. There is no an apparent danger, because now the land is actually protected by their rulers. They, are, they have a freedom. I mean, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah speaks of Cyrus, a pagan king, has the servant of the Lord because he was the one, he was key to restore the people of Israel in a relative freedom within bondage. But it was freedom. So there was nobody stopping them restoring the city. There was nothing. In fact, when Nehemiah, the story tells us, a little bit later, if you want to read it, I always say to people, go back home today and read Nehemiah. It'll make sense of uh, so much more of what I'm saying. But basically, uh, when Nehemiah hears that they are in such trouble, he goes to the king and said, will you let me go and help my people? And the Bible tells us that in 52 days, in 52 days, Nehemiah goes back and rebuilds the walls. So it shows that it could be done. But let me tell you, um, many, many years had gone past. In fact, Queen Esther had lived about 35 years prior to this with all the ability to be able to help the people and rebuild the wall because she was a queen now, but she didn't do it. So many years had gone by, which it's a, it leaves us quite puzzled because it could have been done, but it hadn't been done. So when we look at this situation, this morning what I want to talk about is the, the concept or the situation that we can live in our lives where freedom is actually being restored when we have been set free, but our walls are still broken. Yeah. 
And that's something that we're not used to speak about. We're not used to, as a church, to speak about God's deliverance and then our walls are still broken. Um, but I think that explains a lot of the way we live our Christian life. It, it actually gives a lot of meaning to why we struggle in our walk with God. Because there is a freedom. Today we have taken communion. That is the symbol of freedom. That is actually the demonstration. We take it in remembrance of the fact that Jesus died on the cross and set us free. But then, I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, then we kind of puzzle with the fact that that is freedom, but my life, it's not exactly in the place where that is supposed to have done. I don't know if I'm, I'm confusing you, but I know I'm not confusing you. And, and it, it kind of, we find it difficult to explain why is it, Lord, that you have done this? I don't know if you've ever thought this. Lord, you've done this. I'm seated with you in heavenly places. Lord, you have completed the work. It is finished. But somehow, it doesn't feel finished in our lives. It is finished, but it's not finished here. And I want to speak about that today. I want to speak about living with broken walls or secured borders. You know, I've had a couple of experiences, I've had many experiences in my life, but a couple of them in particular, when you are exposed or you're put in a place where you lose that security around you. I remember we, we got married many, many years ago. We've been married 37 years. <laughs> and uh, we went on honeymoon. In those days, there was no internet. When you went to honeymoon... Um, you kind of, uh, yeah, you just drove and then you saw a hotel and said, let's pop in. Do you have a room kind of thing? So anyway, we, we were stopping somewhere and, and one evening it was pouring with rain and we kind of ran a little bit out of time. And so we, we were looking for a place to stay. So it was pouring with rain. It was April and uh, it got dark. And so we came across this center kind of, holiday center. And uh, we thought, oh, let's try. And there was not a soul around. And this guy came out with this lantern, really, with a rain coat, uh, with a hood, and he, we put down the, uh, the, the window, and um, he said, yes. And we said, oh, we're looking for a room. He said, uh, come. So he started to walk like this. And we drove behind. And he took us in this middle of this forest to a cabin. And there was just no walls. There was no fences. There was nobody around. And he opened. You can imagine. Huh? And he said, this is the place. And he left. And you know, the dark always makes things. I was about 20. I married very young. I was like, I, I started to shake. And although I believed it was my warrior, my defender, but that night we didn't sleep a wink. Not a wink. And it was like, because you couldn't visualize a wall. There was no fences. We hadn't crossed any walls. We hadn't, it, it's like you, you just didn't know where you were. The, those situations where there is an open space. You know, 
Now, I want, to, I want to put you in the picture. This city had, um, had, had a, a huge wall around. This city was uh, used to, in the past, to being defended. And, and, and actually, when the, the city was captured, those were the times when the walls were broken down. They, and the people were snatched. People were made captive. And now, but now the Bible tells us that they live, they had gotten used to live in a place full of ruins. Now, there is an interesting verse. If you come with me, chapter 4 um, of the same book. When Nehemiah arrives, he arrives with the purpose of rebuilding this wall. He, he wanted to help the people not to live in that condition of broken walls. Now, there was not an immediate danger. It was not a case of the enemy uh, because they, they, they were free to be there. I, I emphasize that because that's so important to understand. They were free to be there. There was no an apparent danger or an imminent danger. But Nehemiah felt that it was important to build the walls because they were still living in disgrace. And you see, what I want to tell you this morning is that we, even though there has been freedom provided for us in Christ, when our lives demonstrate that our walls, and I will go after into what the walls are, when our life is broken and lives in ruin, there is a, there is a disgrace about our lives. There is a lack of witness for glory and, and victory. Do you see what I mean? Um, there is an interesting verse, in, and I think you will see it um, soon on the screen. I'm just going to read it there. Isaiah um, chapter 49, verse 16. Um, it, it, this is God speaking. It says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Now, I love this verse because God speaks about looking at the city of Jerusalem and says, your, I have engraved you in my hand and your walls are forever before me. What, what is actually meaning? God is saying, I delight in seeing you as a fortified city. Your walls are, hmm, are glory. Uh, you know, uh, we, we have been going for many, many years on holiday to Granada, one of our favorite cities in Spain. And it's got Alhambra. Many, maybe, maybe some of you know what that is. That was the, the castle, that was the palace of, of the, um, the, the kings, the Arabic king, the conquered Spain. Uh, Spain was for 700 years under the domain of the Arabic. Uh, world and, and they lift the Alhambra is this huge palace and it's made of this stone that when it changes three times color during the day in the morning it's like a yellow very light creamy color and then it goes into a stronger yellow and by evening it's like a red as the sun beats by evening it's a fascinating thing and when we stand there and look at the city you, all you can think of, although Spain is free the Arabic world is not uh, dominating anymore but it's definitely a witness to the power of that age 
And, and God is saying, I, your walls are forever before me. You know, it's like I want you to be that restructured and, and reestablished fortified city, which will speak of my power. It will speak of my completed work. I want to tell you, when our lives are in ruin, our lives are not being a witness for God. I'm sorry. Have I said something very hard? Uh -uh. When is our lives a witness to his power in us? Is when our walls are rebuilt. Do you see what I mean? When can our lives, we speak about we are the light of the world, but when can we be that light? When our life is restored, do you agree? When our life is a testimony of what God has done. If our lives is in ruin, oh, God is good, don't misunderstand me. We'll go to heaven, don't misunderstand me. God loves us, don't misunderstand me. But we are definitely not those walls that are shining for his glory. Now, the intent of God is for the, for the work to be completed. Why is it so important to rebuild walls? Why is it so important? Well, imagine these people living every day, women going, taking children to school, and men going to work, and maybe going shopping, and every day you are passing through ruins. You are passing through ruins. I, I, imagine what kind of culture you're living in. Now, again, there is maybe no imminent, uh, imminent danger, but just imagine if everybody, if every day, say your, your, half of the walls of your house are crumbling down. Say your, your, your house, something is collapsing in your house. And that, you live with that for 35 years, for 50 years. What effect does start to have in your life? Imagine every day what they thought about. What's the first thought? You get up in the morning and maybe they stumbled on it. And maybe the dust that came from it. But the symbolism of it, of an era when the enemy came in. It may be that the enemy has not come in today, but the enemy is still there in your culture. And I, I, this morning I want to talk about culture, this, the culture of sin, the culture of bondage, the culture of slavery rather than sin, slavery, and bondage. Do you see what I mean? Because I've realized in my own life that the, the, the enemy doesn't need to do anything today. He doesn't even have to come near me today if I have ruins next to me. Because by having ruins next to me, I have the culture of bondage in my life. And that's enough. Enough. In fact, I tell you, I can truly say today that for the last 30 years, the enemy has not come near me. Oh, you say, oh, you are very holy. No, because I had enough. I helped him by having ruins in my life. And by keeping the ruins and not rebuilding the walls, he didn't even have to come near me. In fact, I put a picture and a flower pot, and I put even a little linen cloth on my ruins, and I made a home near my ruins. And by just absorbing the culture of my ruins, I didn't need him to come near. He was doing the work through my own ruins. 
which I helped him to do. Because I didn't take, I didn't understand there was not enough for the work of Christ. I needed to rebuild walls in my life. And I'm afraid to tell you today, sorry, that he will do the work of Calvary, but we need to rebuild the walls in our lives. He will help us, but we need to rebuild them. It's interesting because Nehemiah hears of this and says, don't we often need somebody from outside? Yeah? And uh, Nehemiah heard about this and said, King, Lord, can I go and help them? And the Bible says that he goes and he starts to assess. He, he took a horse, he went out at night, and he started to see the work that needed to be done. Now, as I said, he did it in 52 days. It didn't take long. But he needed the intentionality and he needed someone to understand that this is not going to come from heaven. This needs to be done here on earth. Oh, we need to understand that some of the things that we need to rebuild, it's not God who is going to do it. We need to just rebuild. It's already there. Actually, you know, in the end, what they ended up doing is using a lot of the stones that were... <laughs> I love that. You know, when you've got rubble all over, basically, they took the same stones and they built a wall. So it's not like they needed... Yeah, maybe they needed a few beams and a few things, but they used that which was broken to actually rebuild the wall. It's not something far away. It's not something too difficult. We just need to take the rubble of our lives and we just need to intentionally put them in a proper way. <laughs> we need to take them and say, you are not just going to stay every day in the way of my life. I am not going to bash my foot against you. You are going to be orderly placed in my memory banks and you are going to be part of building my life. You're going to be part of my testimony. You're going to be part of knowing what God has done. It's the same rubble. I can tell you today, I can take one by one the stones of my lives. I don't have the time. I wish I had. One by one and tell you for how long they were a rubble. But now they are not a rubble. They're not a rubble. They are one of the stones. See that wall? See this wall? Imagine these blocks all crumpled up. Rejection. Hurt. Unforgiveness. Uh, ridicule. I don't know. Drugs. Whatever. Not having a child. Whatever. And you imagine this somewhere there. Bashing against every day. Every day looking at the misery of my life. Is it? Look at my life. But then imagine it here. Labeled it. This is what happened to me. But it's part of a building block. It's part of a wall that is strong. Whoa! Hallelujah! It's not a rubble anymore. It's a testimony. 
It's strength. It's power. You know, when Nehemiah gets back, listen to what he says. He starts to tell people, we can do it. We can do it. He saw the situation. He saw the, the state they lived in. But when he encouraged them to do it, the Bible tells us a, a very interesting answer. It says in chapter 4, verse 10, Meanwhile, the people in Judah say the strength of the laborer is given out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Ah, there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. How many times you've said in my life, they've done too many things to me. I can, you don't understand me. They've hurt me too much. Uh, my son, my daughter, they've spent too much. They've taken everything out. You, you, you see that situation too much. You see it as a rubble. There is too much. We can't rebuild. Can you imagine? They were trying to rebuild, but we're talking about big walls and mountains of rubble. And it needed a very tedious, intentional work. They had to take probably all the rubbles, move them out, because you can't build on rubbles. Probably they had to take, clear the area, move them somewhere else, then start to see where some of the stones could go. It's an intentional work. It needs an orderly, intentional action. And you know, our lives needs to be intentionally ordered. Our memories, our hurts, our offenses. Sometimes we live with such a jumble of stuff that we don't even, we can't move. <laughs> The thoughts in our brain are so confusing. They've done this to me. No, no, no. There's just such a confusion that we can't rebuild. We can't rebuild. And they, they say there's too much. There's too much trouble. But now we have a culture. You see, they lived in fear. Although the enemy was not there present every day, but you can see that the fear was there. The fear was caused by the openness and the vulnerability. You feel like you are not advancing. And you know, there is, there, is a, there is an issue when our Christian life doesn't advance. When we don't make steps of growth in God, we start to feel that there is, there is a fear. There is a fear of failure. There is a fear of living in the same condition over and over and over again. But there is also poverty. You know, imagine a city without walls. That's not a city that we can call a prosperous city. Because there is a, there is a instinct understanding. The culture is, I can't build my own life if all around is in ruin. So there was, a, there was an effect in the individual person. Or maybe the culture had become, what's the point of building? Maybe somebody will come in and steal it. So it's playing now on their mind. It makes them fearful. It makes them poor in their thinking. 
I'm not going to expand. I'm not going to invest more because there is a, a poverty um, culture, but there's also a lack of closure with the past. I want to just dedicate a couple of minutes. You, let me just tell you as I feel it from my heart, and if this is the only thing that stays with you, the Lord has sent me to say, you need to close you need to bring closure to some of this stuff that you're going through. Because it's the openness, keeping them open, it's keeping you exposed in ruins. It's keeping you in a particular culture, mindset. So there are some, some things that they, they, they were brought about by the fact that the wall was in ruin. There was no closure with the past. They had been broken into. The enemy had come in, had destroyed the city, had taken them captive. They had destroyed the temple. They, they, they were taken away. But now that had been restored, they could go back to a relative peace. But the culture remained. And now, every time they looked at the rubble, they could see what had happened to them. Oh, they could hear the story again. Maybe the young children were coming up and saying, Mom, why is like this like this? Joshua, why is this? Ah, you know, I wonder how many times they were talking about these ruins and retelling the story and retelling the story. And the enemy came in and the enemy took everything we had and the enemy broke in and we, your grandfather was taken captive. And, you know, he lived there and we lived in terrible condition. But then we could retell. See the story. We love to tell the story of our hearts, don't we? Oh, I'm going to tell you, shut up in the name of Jesus. Every time that story comes up, I say, I don't want to hear the same story again. Today, sometimes when we are with John and that memory comes up about something that happened, say, you know, we've talked enough about that. We, we, because hear it again, saying it again, it creates culture. We're still there. And you know, the ruins, if you leave the ruins, if you leave the situations in a broken way, instead of rebuilding them in, a, in the wall of your life, they will always cause you to speak about them in the culture of the past and not in the culture of victory of today. So the same thing, you can speak it with that culture of the past. They did this and we did. Or you can take it. When your life is rebuilt, you can actually speak about them. But you know what? You'll speak in a different way. Oh, wow. Wow, when the wall is shiny and the children start to say, Dad, the wall. What is this? Story? What happened? Hey, you tell you what happened. The enemy came in. But you see, you speak in a different way. You know, the enemy came in and, and destroyed everything we had. And they took us away. But you know, we came back. Hallelujah. We need that element of coming back. We are missing that part of our testimony of coming back, of rebuilding. But that can only come if we've actually done that exercise. We can't speak that way if that exercise has not happened. We have this culture. We have this culture. The Bible in Isaiah speaks about broken walls 
and burn gates. Not only broken walls. In uh, chapter 1, verse 13, it says, By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. So we have two issues here. We have broken walls and burned gates. Now, they both two, the two of them symbolize something different. A wall stands for strength, protection. We know those were the parts that really nobody could get in. Power, refuge, ownership, belonging, that wall. The gates in the scripture symbolize something else. They used to symbolize justice. That's where justice was done. Uh, prosperity, because that's when import, export, that, that was actually the prosperity, the business side of things. And also the gates were, um, were the places where proclamation took place. Proclamation. They stood at the gate and proclaimed the news. Now, I think there is something very symbolic about that. It spoke about prophetic. That's where the vision was implemented. The, the announcements were made. It spoke about transparency because this is the justice. It speaks about vision. You know, often the place where news were received and given were the gates. Now, the Bible speaks about two important things. The strength, the, the, the walls laying in ruin, so their strength laying in ruin, their protection, their power, their refuge, their ownership. They didn't own anything. What is this? This is all a shamble. They didn't belong. They didn't feel they belong because there was no strength around them. So they had lost that, but they had equally lost the justice. There was no justice there was no proclamation. There was no prophetic in their own life of saying, this is how it's going to be. This is what we're going to do. Because when gates are broken and banned, you are not proclaiming in your life. And I'll tell you something. If there is a time in our Christian life that we need to become a prophetic people, it's this. It's this because the world is prophesying every day. We need to start to prophesy first in our own life. Proclaim God's glory. Proclaim God's presence. Proclaim His power. But if we have ruins, how do we proclaim if there are no gates? If there are no gates, how do we prosper in our Christian life, in our spiritual values, in our believing and, and, and helping others? How do we do that if our gates are bent. We need a strategy. I'm just going to spend few, just a few minutes. This is not a complicated message. Basically, I've said it all already. You know what this is? Rebuild. <laughs> this is it. When I'm gone, as long as you remember, you've got to rebuild your walls. You've got to take your ruins and rebuild. Rebuild them in an orderly, godly fashion in your mind. You've got to let go of certain things. Yesterday we were speaking about certain things. We need to let go of them. The ruins need to be reordered and put in a different place in a different way. We need to approach the things that are ruined in a different way. Now, this is a quick strategy for you. Our wall 
Our world is broken and torn apart. I'm getting there. This is not the strategy. This is the statement. Our world is, broke. Our world is broken and turn, uh, uh, torn apart. We live in times in which there seems to be no more walls or boundaries. We are living in a society that has no boundaries, no walls. Hear me, hear me. If you have ears, hear me, hear me. There are no boundaries. There is no the boundary of integrity. There is no justice. There is no commitment. Those things, integrity, justice, commitment, have been broken and lie in ruin in our society. And in our own lives, often, this is starting to cause culture. Building, therefore, is an intentional decision. I want to say this. We live with an activity approach to life. We decide to do things, and in our own time, terms and rights. We then... When we have made a conclusion, we decide to act. I want to shift your focus on a different approach. Rather than acting, the approach is building. We are doing too many spur-of-the-moment things. We get emotional and we take an action. I want, to sh I want you to switch from acting out your Christian life to building out your Christian life. This, can, can, I, can I, can you see what I'm trying to say? Switch from acting life, because acting life, uh, acting out your Christian life is on a spare of the moment, I'm going to do this. Oh, today I feel this. Oh, yes, Lord. We, we love that. We love that. Oh, impromptu action. I want you to switch from that to Building. Building is a different approach. We've been, uh, especially John over the years, has been involved in building projects and with his own hand, he's built houses, he's built churches. And you know what it is about building? It's a long process. It's layers by layers. You can't rush. It's not one day you go and say, let's build the building. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> it's like steady Layers upon layers, intentional planning of where to put things. And that is what our Christian life should be, how it should be built. This is not about one moment, come to church and God delivers you. This is about intentional action of what I do with this memory. What do I have to, gone in, through my life? And I'm not like John is a witness. I have gone through statute by statute. What do I do with this memory? What do I do with this person? What do I do with this experience? What do I do with this hurt? What do I do with this rejection? What do I do with this bad habit? What do I do? What do I do? Because generalized freedom wasn't doing it for me. Generalized freedom wasn't doing it for me. It wasn't resolving it. So it's been lists, and those who know me, I live by lists. It's lists upon lists upon lists upon lists. And looking after four years to four years ago lists and say, you are still on the list. You need to disappear from the list. 
You have been too long on this list. You are still a rubble. You are still present. I keep shifting you, and you are still here. Let's use a strategy of building. Building. I would like to just quickly say, when you come to church, when you are going through a course, in the activities that you feel you are now doing as a church, don't do them as a one-off action. Do them as part of building your life, building walls. The women ministry, building wall. I prophetically speak over that. May become a place where walls are being restored. Where broken walls are being steadily, as you come together, address one thing after the other and rebuild. If we don't do that, we will end up living as the people of Israel. Broken walls symbolize or stand for past enemy. You know, our brokenness, our sin, our weakness stand for the enemy victory. We can't live in the ruins of our sin, surrounded by the rubble of our past. Oh, think about your rubble today. Just just close your eyes for one minute. What's your rubble like? What's your rubble like? What's it made of? I am a very creative person. I love interior design. I had built interior design. I had done interior design on my rubble. I've even hung pictures. I made a cozy corner, but it was still rubble, and the culture in my mind was still the same. It's rubble. It's messy. It's broken. It's ruined. It, it didn't shine to the glory of God. You know, sometimes our lives carry so much rubble that it's actually impossible to build anything for God. This morning, I just want you to respond. I'm more impressed by the people's response than Nehemiah's response, you know, because it's easy to come from a different place. Sometimes it's good because you see what other people don't see, but for him... Come on, let's rebuild. But now they had been living there for so long. And you know, when you hear them say, come on, we can do it. I respect that. I respect that. Because to get up after a, a, a situation has been like that for many, many years, you, you, it means that you are taking an important step. And the first thing you need to, de- to do today is respond to the Holy Spirit. Respond. Say, Lord, I am going to clear this rubble. First of all, you've got to clear it. eh? Don't try and build it before clearing it. First thing is respond. Lord, I'm going to clear it. And then remove the rubble. Start to take it. Make a list. Just make a list. Start to identify the rubble. And I'm sure you'll be surprised by some of the things you put down. Then, Then shift it. Put it in a place where you can actually see and then start to rebuild. And how I did it, or how I continue to do it, what is this and what can be for? Some things have become foundational. They were good for the foundation. Some of things, they weren't used for anything. And I've actually got to take them 
and throw them in a place, and I said, I will not talk about this anymore. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because some things are not, some part of the broken walls, they are not even good for the new wall. They just don't fit. Somehow, you've got to be willing to take a part of your life and just throw it into the pit. Because that's where it belongs. And there is no even glory about somebody has done something wrong to you. Don't, some people, sometimes when we are living in the rubble, we even glory of the hurt that we have received. It makes us feel, look what they've done to us. And some things are not even good to have them there. And you've got to do, okay, this is not good for anything. This may be good for foundations. Hidden, but boy. Some things you may not want to share with anybody. They have become foundational. To, you know, today it's, it's almost like the trend is to tell everything that happens to you. I think there are some things that have happened to us. They, they, they can become foundation, but they're not good to be there for everybody because they might be a stumbling block for somebody else. Not everything that you've gone through, it's useful for somebody else. Remember that. Because I hear some stories and I think... Do we need to know this? It may be important to you. So put it in the foundation where it can't be seen, but boy, it can hold your life. And then there are some things that may, wow, they may be useful around the window because they are so spectacular. They're such great testimony. They, they can be around the window where everybody sees it. And then God, the Holy Spirit, will help you to do that work of where do we put this? What is the use of this? That's a strategy. That's how you rebuild. And then close the gaps. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't try to do everything. Allow yourself to come alongside somebody else. And you know, there are some things that you don't even have to rebuild anymore. Let somebody else rebuild. Just, you stand, you know, the Bible says that they stood side by side, all focusing on the piece of the wall. And remember that the restoration of your life will not be totally up to you. You don't have to resolve everything, every relationship, every. Somebody else next to you will rebuild that side of the wall. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? This is a body effort. The, 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 the Holy Spirit works in our lives through also the body. Imagine if each one of them felt the responsibility for the whole wall. They could never have done it. They could never have done it. And the destruction in our, remember that the destruction in our lives is not even particular and personal to us. The enemy wants to destroy the kingdom of God. So when he's destroying your life, he's destroying you as part of the work that he wants to do. So you're not fully responsible for the work of the enemy. You're responsible for your side of the war. But you know the marvelous thing. I mean, we are two trophies. No, it's not because I am boasting. But John and myself have built each other. And by being next to each other, now we feel stronger. We have rebuilt together. He has rebuilt in his life. By rebuilding his life, his wall, he has rebuilt me. And by rebuilding my wall, I have he has benefited from. So we see that by 
doing the work in our own lives, we're actually, wow, we're advancing. We're advancing this project. This project is, is, is being achieved. Be also aware of the enemy. Because when they started to build, it's interesting that they lived their peace until they started to rebuild. And then the enemy started. But interestingly enough, the enemy was not from outside. The enemy was from within. So expect that when you start to rebuild, there is some kind of, you know, intention to weaken the work that you're trying to do. But you know what the Bible said? The Bible says that they started to do something. They carried one sword in one hand and they built with the other. They were so determined that they said, okay, if the enemy is going to come, we are going to defend ourselves, but don't stop the work. It's typical that when you start to rebuild your walls, the enemy is going to try. But don't give in. Don't give in. It's your wall. It's your part of the wall. It's your rubble. What's he going to do? Sometimes he wants to come and discourage. And I said to him, get off, get lost. It's my rubble and it's my past. He wants to attack me with my own rubble. Come on, it's my own hurt. I can do anything I want with it. Oh, but you see, if you had really forgiven, oh, you are still there. Hey, I'll do what I need to do with my rubble. Get your hands off my rubble. Get your hands off my rubble. Are you living with rubble around? You know, I'll just say this in conclusion. Sorry for taking more time, but there's something beautiful about walls. Um, I think men have got a particular fascination with walls. John certainly has. When we go around, uh, John loves walls. Um, he climbs walls, he photographs walls, he picks stones out of walls and he takes them home, he grafts walls, he checks walls, he stands on walls, he falls from walls because he's falling, he peeps over, sometimes he goes, whoa, and he scares me out of walls, etc., um, etc. Et but there is this, this fascination about walls. And I remember a few years ago, John was 10, 60, a few years ago, uh, <laughs> years ago, and uh, as a as a present, he always wanted to go to Poland. So I organized a surprise trip to Poland, and we went to Warsaw, a beautiful city. And uh, I don't know if you've been there, but it has got a huge wall around, a huge wall around. And so in one evening, we went out for a walk, and here we come um, to get into the old city. Wall, wall here and wall here, and the entrance. So we said, oh, let's go in. And John said, no, let's walk a little bit, and we'll find another entrance. That was the last famous word. <laughs> we walked and walked and walked and walked and walked and walked, and there was no entrance. So what we had to do after an hour and a half is come, oh, I could have killed him and and hang him on the wall. But anyway, we had to come all the way. We lost about three hours and then got into the entrance. You know, I want to leave you with this picture today. I know I'm going to make a bit of a fool myself, but hey, who cares? You know, imagine, imagine getting to a place where this church, 
Every part of the wall is being built. All your lives are being built. And this wall is shiny, restore. The rubbles have gone. The culture is gone. And now there is a testimony to God's victory and grace. And I can just picture the enemy missing the entrance because he is never going to go through Christ. He's he hasn't got it done. He hasn't got it easy. Because the only entrance he can get into this church is through Christ. And he's not going to go through there. So he tries to get through everything else. But imagine get to a place that the entrance is Christ. You want it, you take it. You want to come in the church? You want to destroy the church? You have to come here. He doesn't come because he's never going to come to Christ. And then he's going to start to try and find a gap in this church. And he's going to go round and round. And like we did in Warsaw, you know. And he's going to go round and he's trying to get in. There's no gap. He's just can't get in. There's no gap. There's no gap trying to get in between. There's no gap here. And maybe a bit of rubble left. No, she's rebuilt that jolly rubble. I knew she had rubble, but she's rebuilt. I can't get in here. I can't. Get in. And we love the jolly Satan going round and round and round the chair. I see if I'm somewhere there. <laughs> What are you going to do with the rubble? What are you going to do with your rubbles? You want to live with broken walls or secure borders? Just see that picture of the church that I've just shared with you. Christ, the door. And then a fortified city whose walls are always before God. Your life as a witness to Christ's death and sacrifice and witness to God's freedom. My life is nothing. Guys, I'm here today. You maybe don't even know me. My life is nothing to you except except if it speaks of a rebuild wall, if it speaks of Christ's work. That's my desire. That's my desire today. That my life speaks of His power, His grace, His love, His forgiveness. Equally, I pray for you I pray that your life will be rebuilt. You may have freedom. And you, we have freedom in Christ. You are saved. We love him. He's done an amazing work in our lives. But somehow, if this applies to you, somehow, some rubbles of your life have been left untouched. It's time, the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time to take them and rebuild your walls. Secure walls. Secure walls. Father, this morning we come to you, the builder, the master builder. We come to you because 
You are that Nehemiah, Holy Spirit, that comes and says, it can be done. Come on. It can be done. It can be done. And today we have heard your voice, Holy Spirit. We want to act upon it. We want to respond. Just like those people responded in a very practical way. Yes, let's do it. We want to respond in the same way. Let's do it, Lord, in my own life, in my own memories, in my own experiences, in my own family, in my own relationship. Lord, help us today. I pray for each individual person here today. Lord, prophetically, to keep this message in their hearts, Lord, that they may rebuild walls and strengthen the gates, rebuild those gates of proclamation, prophetic word of, of prosperity. Lord, just help each one of us you are the only one that can suggest or tell us what we need to do today, what we need to do tonight. Just pray that you will push each individual to take an action. Let's not become a people that hear but don't do. But we want to respond to your Holy Spirit today. Thank you for your word which is powerful, which sets us free, which builds our lives. We thank you for it. We thank you for your word today, for your presence. And we say, be glorified through the walls of our lives. Be glorified through the walls of our lives. Be glorified through the walls of our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I really, uh, there was a word in season. Uh, you know, we heard today how some of the things in our lives, some of the rubbles, they, they don't deserve to be part of the new world that we are building around us, that we are rebuilding around us. And this is exactly what we said last Sunday, if you remember. Things that God has set us free, they don't belong anymore to us as Christians. And we need to leave behind. You remember what the word of last Sunday. Uh, we spoke about a Christian faith that is very practical. And today we heard about the importance of rebuilding. The cross is just the beginning for a Christian journey. The cross is the beginning, is the entrance gate into the kingdom of God. But then lo the Lord wants to involve us as we rebuild, as we leave behind. And I believe it's a, it's a word in season for the church because I believe that it, there are a lot of people, even among us, they still live today with things in their life that maybe they shouldn't be there. Or, like we heard today, instead of rebuilding, there's they, they keep on stirring at those rubbles and, and uh, crying over them instead of transforming them into testimonies. And I, I really believe that, you know, the Lord is speaking this to us, that Christian life is about being practical. It's not just about the cross. It's just about salvation. That's the most important thing. It's the entrance. But as we journey with God, God wants to engage us as we, you know, develop and change and we allow to change, Him to change our life. So really, I want to encourage if you were with the kids today, you didn't hear the word, you know, just go and listen to it. It was a wonderful word for the church. Or if you don't want to hear it on Facebook, you can wait for the podcast. It should be out in a couple of days. But I really want to strongly recommend you to go and listen. It was such an important and powerful word. Thank you so much, Eliana, for sharing that. Amen. Amen. So the... Dear God, we thank you for today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, because you know exactly what we need. You are the one who 
uh, you know, he builds the church and the right words, they come at the right moment, Lord God, even in our lives. And I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, that this uh, word that we receive today as individuals and as a, as a body, as a church, will actually grow in our life, will develop, will bring uh, some fruit, Lord God, and it will start building the walls of our life and the walls of this church, Lord God, so that we can shine your light, so that we can reach out to the people who are uh, dying out there, Lord God. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for today. We thank you for, for friends and fellowship, and we pray for the week ahead, Lord God. We pray that you will be with each one of us that you will bless our life in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen.